welcome to Internet Marketing for Humans, digestible internet marketing insight and advice to help you grow your business. Welcome back to Internet Marketing for Humans. I'm Andrew Laws, your host, and I am Andrew Laws Associates Limited. I, I, I run, I am, it doesn't matter, I exist. Proof of that is you can hear me talking right now. Um, I'm here with Gareth Patch, who's a good friend and bandmate of mine. And I've brought Gareth in because he is a podcast editor and a sound engineer and a musician and just generally a nice chap to talk to. So Gareth, Mr. Gareth Patch. Hello, Mr. Andrew <laughs> Laws. Laws, you nearly said culture. I nearly said culture, yeah. Um, so Gareth, you run Semi-Echo. Do you want to just tell us a quick little bit about Semi-Echo? Yes, well, Semi-Echo is just slightly more grandiose name for my self-employment as a sound engineer slash musician slash podcast editor slash music website writer slash tutor. There you go. All that stuff, eh? Just because I I, I don't want to make a limited company like you did, because that's brave. <laughs> oh, it's brave. But uh, yeah, a discussion for another time. Yeah. <laughs> I brought Gareth in because I've been hearing podcasts about creating podcasts and reading about creating podcasts, and they all focus on an area that that I think is something you should have figured out before you start a podcast. A lot of podcasts about podcasts talk about what to talk about and how to market and all those things. But I think fundamentally, if you're missing the mechanics of setting up a podcast, you're, you're going to make your life more difficult. There's a very popular media organization I was listening to the podcast of, but the sound quality was so bad, I can't tolerate listening to them anymore. So I brought Gareth along just to, to give us a few a few hints. And, I mean, he is my teacher, essentially. I don't hold him responsible for any, any sound you might hear on my podcast because ultimately I'm doing it by myself. Is that enough of a caveat? Yes. Okay. Yeah, I'm not going to tell you how to edit this. No, good. Um, Although not... that is... That is top tip number four. Oh, okay. Well, I'll tell you three, what. Three, sorry, three. <laughs> okay. So th- with that, this is in danger of becoming one of those really long recordings because I think we'll probably just enjoy talking. So let, let's crack on. So the title we've got for this is... I don't know. I didn't write it down. I thought you were going to write oh. it down. <laughs> five top tips for podcasting or something, was it? Uh, the five things you must know before start before you start a podcast. Let, let's just go with that for let's now. Let's go with so that. What have we got for number one? Uh, microphones. It all starts with the mic. Um, you can record podcasts using iPhones and iPads and then just upload them to the internet, but they're only going to sound as good as that particular microphone. And seeing as they're essentially meant for phone calls, mm. they're not going to be particularly great. So if you want a podcast um, where that has a quality vocal recording, quality voice recording that people will want to listen to, then you kind of need to invest in not serious microphones, but at least a certain level of microphone uh, to use. Okay, so for for this podcast, I mean, I'll, I'll be up front, the mic I'm using is, I've covered up the label, I know it's, it's an Aston. It's which an, It's an Aston Origin. It's an Aston Origin, which primarily I have for recording vocals, you know, for singing. It's it's not, It's I think it's probably kind of overkill for what I'm using it for, for this. Um, it's about where I'd kind of want to pitch. Okay, so that's as a professional sound guy. Yeah, I think yeah. yeah prob- no, I, I really like the Aston microphones. I think you probably advised this, but to give you an idea, the cost new of this kind of microphone, which I can go quite close to and talk. I was going to say sexily, but it's not really, is it? But the, the cost new is 
it's about 225 250 like yeah. so it's it's not an insignificant investment so the microphone you're talking on is an audio technica at2020 i believe so to give you an idea of the, the difference in cost um well i think these are about 110 new I got it for 40 quid from cash converters. Yeah, you can pick, they're re- for, for the budget, for the budget end of microphones, they're really well respected. I've used it for lots. I mean, not just for these podcasts, I've recorded tons of vocals with it. It's, it's a, for 40 quid, I think it's, it's pretty amazing. That's cheaper than SM58 yeah. or 57 new, which, yeah, let's not get into kind of microphone chat too much. Not too much. They're, they're, the, the thing with these microphones is that they're, they're capacitor microphones or condenser microphones, so they they have a, a, a better frequency response. They'll pick up a, a wider frequency range. So they are kind of what I would strongly suggest anyone getting into podcasting, even if it is a, a budget end like the AT2020, it's going to give you a good um, quality vocal recording, voice recording. But you can you can record podcasts with a Shure SM58 or you know any dynamic microphone that is of, of of decent quality the difference is is that you kind of have to work that type of microphone a little bit closer so that's a little bit intimidating sometimes especially if you're what, shoving it in people's faces basically yeah yeah <laughs> if you're if you're not if you're interviewing somebody or talking to somebody that's not used to working with microphones it can be one of those things that might clam them up hmm. sometimes so at least if you can get a little bit of distance between the the person and the microphone it's it's maybe not quite as intimidating but a, a good quality microphone won't have to break the bank and to give you an idea it's it's not just the microphone there's some very cheap things you can do with a microphone to improve the sound so the two mics we've got here are on heavy kind of got heavy little bases for mm-hmm. them they're, they're just like Tiny, tiny little mic stands. Yeah, they're, they're, they're desk stands. They're, yeah, that's what you call them, desk stands. Yeah. I think they're about a tenner each. Yeah. But I've got some two-pound bits of foam stretched over the top of them, which without which you get a lot of pops, a little kind of pops and clicks just from your talking. Yeah. So, you know, even a cheap microphone, for the sake of 12 quid, or whatever, you can drastically improve the sound. I mean, once you've recorded a few podcasts, you get, you get even if you don't have any microphone technique or any experience in recording, you'll get to learn pretty quick what works and what doesn't. I, I don't think this is inaccessible. There's not a high barrier to entry for anyone. No. Well, I think that's the reason why podcasting has, has taken off in the way that it has, is that it's, it's the whole kind of democratization of the internet, digital and that kind of thing. Mm. And, and once you do, you know, there's no reason why you can't record a couple of podcasts to test they don't have to go anywhere. It's not like you're going live on radio. So you can do a couple of test recordings for yourself and decide what's good and what's bad before you've even released them onto the onto the planet. So um, the fact that this is now accessible to people, it kind of means that you don't have to be spending thousands of pounds and you can still have your your little moment to shine. Now, I think getting the message out is, is ultimately more important. I mean, I'm aware that... You know, this microphone chat, the reason I don't want to dwell on it too long is it's not you must have this thing. It's just always, I always get slightly frustrated when people think that there's a lot of equipment that has to be invested in. And I've just said, yeah, I'm speaking on a fancy mic, but it's really not that fancy. You know, microphones, you can can pay tens of thousands of pounds. But the the one that I've put Gareth on is is relatively a cheapie, really. So have you seen something I don't really understand because I've already got the studio equipment? There's a lot of USB microphones available. Do you know anything about those? Not a lot. I've never used one myself. They, they, they essentially take the place of 
a microphone and an audio interface mm. um, like we've plugged these microphones into so the analog to digital conversion happens within the body of the mic and then goes via the USB as digital whereas okay. at the moment we're going analog into your interface and that's where got, it happens essentially what I have here is a little studio interface you know I can plug a guitar or whatever in but say it's, it's not necessary I think that that would be the advantage of the USB one that it's one lead straight from the mic. Okay, yes. that bit of microphone chat went on longer than I was expecting. Did a little so bit, didn't it? <laughs> what do we have for point two? Point two is location. Ah. Ah. Uh, because even the most expensive microphone in a poor location will sound poor. Um, and before we started recording this, we had this interesting chat about all of the uh, acoustic foam that you keep adding to your walls in here. And even though we're in quite a big... Uh, office kind of space with almost equidistant walls. It's almost a cube. So as a recording studio, it would fail. <laughs> <laughs> and it's got very high ceiling, but because of the way that you're breaking up sound, it actually sounds quite dry in here. Mm. Uh, now, a small room is is not necessarily the best type of room, but somewhere that is that has a dry kind of sound is going to make your voice sound much more focused on that microphone. So when you say dry, what's a dry sound? A dry sound is one where there's no reverb or... What's reverb? Well, oh, <laughs> this is where sound bounces around the, the walls. So you've got... In, in Any sound has two parts. There's a direct sound, so this is direct sound from me talking straight into the microphone. Whereas if I'm a bit more louder and a bit more in the room, you can kind of hear the room sound. The, the sound of my voice kind of bounces around the walls and then goes into the microphone after the direct sound. Uh, and that's how we perceive. It, it's, it's built into our um, physical brain that we, how we perceive distance from objects or sounds moving towards us is the difference between the direct sound and the re reverberant sound or you know, how, how we perceive something within a space. Okay, so the, the classic kind of way, if you if you want a quick explanation of what reverb sounds like, most bathrooms, if you clap, yeah. your, clap your hands in a bathroom, I'm, yeah, so glad that, I'm so glad that's the example I came up with <laughs> yeah, for no, a noise making in a bathroom. <laughs> or we're in a subway, you know, if, if you walk yes. in an underpass, then, um, or underpass if you're in Suffolk. <laughs> or in England. In England, yes, yeah. Um, so, so, the, so the room, is it, so you're kind of, it's controlling the environment, I guess, as much as anything else, isn't it? Definitely. You don't have to go around sticking acoustic tiles to your walls, but if you consider the room or the space that you're recording in, some are going to be better than others. So it might be that if you have, for example, a living room that has a couple of comfy sofas and some bookshelves, something like that. That is the kind of room, a carpet on the floor, that's going to help. That's the kind of room that is going to break up these reflections so you get less reverberant sound. Whereas if you're recording in, say, somewhere like my dining room at home that uh, has hard surfaces everywhere, it has a wooden floor, has a table, everything kind of bounces around and so it is much more lively kind of room so that bouncing around so we're, we're talking about that's the unpleasant thing i mean it's so you can do it for character i guess I mean, yeah. we, we use when we record vocals we use reverb on pretty much everything mm -hmm. but it's just to kind of make it sit better in the music yeah but sometimes if, if you're you know the, the podcasts i've recorded so far are in my office and i've controlled the environment but we were talking earlier gareth um edits the podcast for, that one of my clients puts out, which we can mention. He went to the um, plant 
plant-based podcast. The plant-based podcast. And one of the challenges there is that Michael Perry, who does the plant-based podcast, and I'll link it in the podcast description, Michael, don't worry, um, he goes out and he goes out to interview people. So you were telling me earlier that, for example, he recorded an interview in a cafe. Yes, that's the one that I've just edited this this week. Um, they were they, they were sat in a cafe, and they've done this a couple of times, and, and it, it kind of depends on how busy the cafe is sometimes. But they're talking to the uh, people that they're interviewing at the time, and, and you hear people walking in and out um, or talking to whoever's behind the counter or something like that. And we, we kind of... <laughs> We quite like it because it then puts you in the place and because their their podcast is about anything to do with plant-based, so they, they go, sometimes they record in a polytunnel or in the middle of a forest or um, in um, big um, greenhouse kind of places. So every different, every podcast kind of has a different uh, ambience, for want of a better I word. Like that. It's, it's, it paint, helps paint a picture, I it think. It does. Yeah, definitely. But if you are recording in a very echoey place so that you can't control i mean is there anything you can do to mitigate the amount of echo um yes if you're not going down the the realms of putting acoustic tiles on your walls then actually a hanging a duvet behind the person speaking will cut down the amount of echo and reverb kind of coming back to the microphone i would hope most people have got a duvet it's it's a cheap solution um, I think it, if you're think, planning to do a podcast but you don't own any bedclothes, I'd say your priorities might be wrong. Well, some people still use blankets and sheets, you know. Some people are still old school. What, can, Candlewick <laughs> eider down. I can't remember the word. Sorry, I derailed you there. No, um, that's all right. The, I guess, guess the other thing I'd like, like to say is that if you, if you can't control it, so if there's, if there's nothing you can do at all, I mean, will mic technique help? How close you got the mic to your mouth? or yes. Guessing clo- the closer you are to the microphone, the more direct sound you're going to have compared to reverberant sound. Spot on. Brilliant. Okay. Have we covered off point two there? I think so. Okay. Well, yeah. Rock on. Um, editing. So once you've actually recorded your content, we won't call it a podcast yet because it's not a podcast until you've finished it. So your content is recorded. You may want to or need to edit it. Um, depending on what you're talking about and who you're talking with, especially if you're talking to somebody that's maybe not used to being interviewed or talking to a microphone, there might be pauses or places where people go, um, uh, and it's often best to get rid of most of those. I would suggest don't get rid of all of them because this is still a conversation that you're having with someone and it's very natural for people to stop, pause, their brain kind of catches up with what point they were trying to make mm-hmm. and they might punctuate that by going, um, well, you see, so sometimes it's, it's quite it's useful to keep those in because it feels much more natural. It's, it's good personality. I mean, some, some podcasts I listen to, the, the presenters are in danger of sounding like a 1920s BBC kind yes. of... You, you can lose a lot of the personality. I mean, I took the decision with this podcast. I was pretty much warts and all. If, I, if I'm going to cough then I'll edit that out. But we've, we've got a few naughty words and things. So, you know, it's, I think a bit a bit of personality is a lot more engaging for the listener as well, almost regardless of the topic. Definitely, definitely. It, it, it needs to be natural, otherwise it, it does get that very, um, just, but just a bit boring and flat mm. sometimes. Uh, and uh, again, it, it is kind of based on content. You always have to think of the type of content that you're putting out will often reflect on how much editing you need to do, um, com- if it's 
if it's very factual, then maybe sometimes that could be quite tightly edited, where if it is a more conversational thing like we're doing now, then sometimes having those pauses to break up is sometimes quite useful for the listener because they're, they're kind of taking all, in all this information as well at the same time, and, and maybe you need to give them a couple of beats to catch up with, with what you've just been saying. And so a pause sometimes is, is the right thing to do. Excellent. But just going, going back to what you said about the occasional swear word, this is, um, you've kind of got to be careful with this. Again, it does depend on the content, but it does, it's, it's more to do with your target audience. And if you are creating a podcast where you want everybody to be able to access it, so like I say, depending on content, um, Apple, I guess I can say Apple, mm-hmm. uh, I've heard of them. You've heard they're tiny, tiny company. I think they make computers or something. Uh, There there is a, on on their process of uploading your podcast and getting it available on iTunes, you have to declare whether the podcast is a clean podcast or it has an, an adult content. And the adult content is not necessarily what we all presume to be adult content, but it does include swearing. And if you declare that your podcast is clean, but there are there is swearing in there. Then sometimes they may well take it down without notifying you. So if you I want need, your, I need to check which which swear words I've used. Now. Well, see, this is the thing with your with your podcast. It's probably not um, too much of a worry to be able to say that it's n- it's not clean because you're pitching to an adult kind of audience. Mm. Whereas if your content you want everybody to be able to access it, young and old then you, you kind of need to be a little bit tighter on so, it. So, for example, your wife, uh, Jenny, who's obviously friends with me as well, um, she recorded a podcast with stories. Yes. And so for something like stories, if you want it to be as broadly accessible as possible, it's not just a case of not swearing like a docker, but, but actually um, um, but actually declaring that it's clean at the yes. time you upload it. Yes. Okay, um, I don't want to dig too much into software, Um I said that about microphones, I know, and then did. But I just know from the podcaster communities that that I see, people always say, well, what's the best software to use? Now, I think the better question is what's what's the lowest barrier, you know, what's the lowest barrier to entry? The opposite of barrier. What's the, the cheapest way of doing it? Oh, free. Well, okay, there you go. No, <laughs> no, not how much money is it? Well, for example, right, if we're going we're gonna to talk software names. I use Ableton because yep. I love it. You use Logic. I do use Logic. Do you lo- I mean, you'll see other podcasters. They talk about things like Pro Tools, FL Studio. There's lots of different ones. These are all kind of premium bits of studio software. You'll yep. see, You'll see, especially Logic, you'll see in lots of studios and Pro mm. Tools. But you, again, I think it's kind of overkill for most people. So yes. in terms of free software, what is there's Audacity. Audacity, which is multi-platform. So if you've got a PC or a Mac... Audacity is free to download, um, and that will do everything you need to do for a fairly simple podcast. If it's just a, a voice, you know, an interview where you need to edit out little bits and, and join clips together, Audacity is perfectly acceptable. If you've got a, an Apple product, then they generally come free with GarageBand. Yeah, I've seen a lot of people using GarageBand. I mean, yeah. again, without going into too much depth, GarageBand and Logic are very, very similar. They are, yeah. Very Ga- similar products. Yeah, Logic is the is the pro version. GarageBand is that kind of free. That's why they. That's why it's free when you buy a Mac, because mm. the Mac has cost you ridiculous amounts <laughs> of money, but they want you to invest in, in the hardware. You know, the, even, even Logic by itself, to buy... Two hundred pounds 
he says, I think it's £200. It's, it's been not, a while far, since I it's not money. far off that. So actually what you get for that sort of money is really good, but that's because Apple want you to invest in the hardware. Mm. Pro Tools is much more expensive, but then you can run it on a Windows machine. Well, Ableton, the, the version I'm on, if you totted up all the licenses, I'm thinking you're over £600 yeah. for this. So, I mean, logic is I use Ableton because it's so great on stage. It's such a good performance tool. But in terms of other bits of software, the the way we talk about editing, one thing I want to make clear is this isn't, you know, you sort of see footage of Queen in the studio with like massive mixing desks and thousands of knobs. It's really not that. Most editing, in my experience, is a line of audio, which comes up as a squiggly line on a screen. Mm-hmm. And I mean, the real basic way I do it is if I hear something I want to take out, I press stop when it gets to that bit, drag over at the mouse, press delete on the keyboard and pretty much carry on. Yeah, that's kind of it. Or there'll be a, a tool that you have to swap from your pointer to a pair of scissors and you just snip the the virtual tape. Mm. I'll put that in inverted commas for those people watching on the radio. <laughs> but it's it's essentially that, yes, yeah, so you just you find the bit that you don't want, you snip it out or you, you move the audio so that it's no longer readable. Mm. And and that's the that's the edit. This is this is one of those things that sounds more complicated than it is it really is super simple i mean uh, gareth uh, i think we're we're both kind of cheerleaders for for any sort of technology like this yeah we like to to make it as accessible as possible Mm. so i just kind of want to make that clear interestingly just just as an aside if you pay for an adobe cloud subscription which i know a lot of people in my industry do you've got Adobe Audition. Mm -hmm. I mean, this is why I started out recording and editing audio in before I kind of moved to Ableton. Um, And you've got it. You've got the software. That's a a very capable bit of of kit. It's yours. You've already got it. Okay, so I think we've we've accidentally not talked and talked about software for a while now. So that was editing. (laughs) What's what's the next point? Um, sound levels. Um, uh, We're not going to spend much time on this because it's it's really important. And there's there's kind of no there's no wiggle room really um, when you are recording when you when you you put your microphone in front of somebody to get them to converse with you in front of um, with digital there is a maximum limit it's different to when we used to record on tape where that was kind of electrical signals being magnetized there was a kind of natural bit of give and take when it came to levels going on with digital because it's all ones and zeros at the end of the day there is a, a fixed level that you can't go past mm-hmm. and if you go past it then you end up with digital clipping with and what with, go on what's digital clipping digital clipping is um where your maximum amplitude reaches the the level for which you cannot go past which Break, is breaking it down does it sound good or does it, it sound it bad? sounds bad <laughs> sounds bad and too much of it will be the odd section sometimes um if it is just the end of a word sometimes you can get away with it but if you are constantly clipping your um digital input into your interface or into your usb microphone or whatever you're doing then it will sound bad that level is zero db fs if you see that on any of your um, recording software if that's what you buy zero is the absolute limit which is i'm, I'm not going to go into it because because there's science Confused and stuff and zero yeah i know sometimes but zero is the limit minus figures is where you want to be and um most digital audio professionals kind of work um that Minus somewhere in between minus eighteen and minus twelve dB fs is kind of where you want to pitch. But I would suggest that for podcasting, just make sure it's under zero dB fs. 
anything under that and you're fine. My, my fail safe is I, I record low. I mean, I'm looking at the screen here and uh, you know, Ableton's drawing a squiggly line showing what, and it looks like we're almost whispering to each other. Yeah. But I do I do that as a protection because I learned kind of early on, uh, one of the first pod- podcasts I did, I was talking to someone very quietly spoken. I made them laugh because I'm hilarious and it just absolutely blew the speakers out of the wall. Yeah. <laughs> so now I kind of record quiet because I can make it louder. I mean, that's the other thing compared to when we were using um, tape machines, essentially. If you recorded that low and then turned it up, you got hiss yes. and distortion and all sorts of things. But yes. with digital, you can record almost nothing at all and then just you know up it afterwards. Yes, yeah. as once once an audio signal, microphone or instrument or whatever has been digitally encoded, then you're not going to add noise to it just by turning it up because there's no noise to turn up. So it's as long as you've got a healthy signal going in. Um, that doesn't clip, then you can do with with it after that what you want. Mm-hmm. Just it's interesting actually on the on the topic of laughing. That was that would be where I would suggest when you're doing your little sound check before you hit record is that if you're recording your podcast where there's multiple humans in the room um, and it might be that you start talking over each other, it's kind of good to do a bit of a sound check with you all talking over each mm. other because that increases the amplitude of your signal. Or like you just said, if you all had a laugh. They really are the loudest parts of a conversation. Then everybody kind of drops down to talking to a microphone quite Mm. naturally. So if you kind of bear those things in mind and make sure that your signal is healthy enough that um, it's not... um, Like the room thing, again, if if you haven't got as much direct sound as you've got reverberant sound, you're going to turn up the voice, but you're going to turn up the reverb at the same time. Mm. So make sure that your direct sound is, is of a good level. But um, check what's going to happen if suddenly everybody piles in because they've got something to say, or they, or somebody, or you tell a joke. Because yeah. yes, you are the funniest human on the planet. <laughs> or just be rubbish at telling jokes. Um, okay, so what we got next? The last one, and this is something that probably because of our background, um, branding and music. Um, it, podcasts aren't just about talking, or most podcasts aren't just about talking. I don't think I've heard one that is just talking. Pretty much every podcast I've listened to has some kind of musical identity. Oh, even if it's just at the start and the end. Yeah. I don't, you know, I don't think I've ever heard one that does just start with someone's voice. I guess it comes from the idea that a podcast is essentially a radio show, mm. but one in the hands of us mere mortals rather than in big radio stations and stuff like that. And so I think probably that has just bled into the consciousness that you start off with some kind of um, musical ident or you know an identifier for your show Mm. uh, and then you start talking so if you can um you know if you've got something like garage band then you've got loops apple give you free loops so they're they're not just that they're free as in you don't have to pay for them you don't have to pay a license you don't have to pay apple or anyone else for using them that's correct so you can use those to bolt together you know even if it's a drum loop or some kind of keyboard loop or something like that something that is going to um, identify, especially these different sections of your podcast as well. If you're doing um, a podcast with maybe multiple interviewers, multiple sections edited together, it's always useful to kind of have a, a, a musical full stop that everyone kind of recognises that, oh, that's the end of that section and now we're going to go into a new section. So mm. it's always useful to do that. Um, sonic branding, though, is is kind of slightly more upmarket term and this is maybe where... Um, if you're not a musician yourself or you, you're not very confident with 
putting loops or something like that together, then maybe you need to go and chat to your mates that are musicians to write you a bespoke piece of music. That if you want your branding to be identifiable as soon as somebody hears a podcast, it's you know it's, it's like old Radio One for one of better stations mm. jingles. Yeah, is that they 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 evoke that as soon as they come on, you know it's Radio One, mm. and you can do that with podcasts, but you, you might need to. In, uh, employ a musician to write your piece of music I to mean, be your identifier. Ultimately, you, you can do this cheap. There's there's a website called Fiverr.com, yep. which is five with the two R's on the end. Um, the quality is a bit hit and miss sometimes, but you're not exactly taking a massive chance on a Fiverr. I'm going to take this opportunity, actually, just to, to give a plug. The music on the start at the end of this podcast is a track called Foul, spelled F-A-U-L, by Marin Skell, um, who is me. <laughs> is he? He is. Oh, well, I never knew. I've shattered the mystery there, but it's from an album I released this year called Echelon Velo, available on all streaming services. So <laughs> if you like it, believe it or not, it is longer than the 10 or 15 seconds you hear here. But that, that's how I've got around any copyright issues. I made that. <laughs> it is definitely, definitely mine, for better or worse. I mean, it could be anything. You know, if you've got uh, a... a child's glockenspiel or something like that if you've got a microphone to record like voice, high. <laughs> yeah you can yeah exactly you can just do something like that or i don't know if you're doing a, a podcast about cookery or kitchens or something like that just kind of throw some pans on the floor and record that you know it's <laughs> it's just something that is is not just talking basically yeah okay cool so anything else uh no i think that was that was my five Okay, so I think the overwhelming thing here is that none of these tips that Gareth's talked about um, involve a massive investment of money. In fact, apart from buying a microphone, which doesn't have to be a huge thing, you do this pretty much for nothing here. Pretty yeah, much. This is, uh, say, we're both cheerleaders for, for getting people involved in anything creative. But I think podcasting, especially at the moment, seems to be quite a huge opportunity. Um, I read the other day that in terms of blogs, this is not blog posts, but blogs... So, you know, a blog could have thousands of posts. There's now a blog for every one in every seven humans on Earth. Really? Wow. That's a lot. That is a lot. So I still believe in blogging as well because there's, well, ultimately there's a lot of chaff out there. So if you do good stuff, then you still stand a good chance. But the moment podcasting, the appetite, the size of, the number, put it this way, the number of people subscribing to, downloading and listening to podcasts is huge compared to the number of people who make them. So we're sitting here telling you that there's a very low barrier to entry. But, you know, other people are going to cotton on fairly soon. <laughs> so if, if you've been considering starting a podcast, now is the time, I'd say. Um, you're welcome to contact me if you want any advice. I'm, I say I'm not a seasoned expert. This is episode 19 or 20, somewhere around there. But I did this mostly through Gareth's guidance. So if you want some, some help, just get in touch, just comment, like, subscribe, and all that fun stuff. But ultimately, if you're considering starting a podcast, just do it. Just just get on with it. Yeah, <laughs> just try it. Just do it. No yeah. one's going to hear it. If, if you don't send it out there, no one's going to hear it. So just try and, and listen back. And if you like it, then that probably means that somebody else will. And if you need someone to edit it real nice, <laughs> yeah. how can people get in touch with you, Gareth? How can they find you? They can find me at semi-echo.co... Oh, no, I got that wrong. Let's start that again. I'm not going to edit this. I'm just going to let this sit. I thought you would, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I only put podcasts together. I don't record them. They can find me at semi-echo.co.uk or on Twitter at semi-echo. 
Facebook may even be just semi-echo. I can't remember now. I think All sem- my socials. Semi-echo is kind of fairly unique. So yeah. Just hammer ham-fistedly jab semi-echo into almost anything and you'll find Gareth yeah I should come out top excellent okay well thank you very much for your time Gareth this has been very enlightening and I think we'll probably have to do it again sometime yes so until the next time please like subscribe tell your granny do everything you can to kind of promote me over yourselves Um, and that's it toodle pip bye bye